What's the difference of a team and a group? Both multiple people. One's referred to as a team, the other's a group. Well, the team all has a similar why. They're all pushing in the same direction. They compete together, they win together, and they may lose together, but it's the why behind it that pushes them forward. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. All right. Sound check, sound check. Uh, thumbs up if you can hear me. Everything working. I didn't have really a chance to... Uh, Make sure we were all set to begin with. I see uh, people popping into the call. Welcome, everyone, to the Agent Power Huddle this morning. We are, uh, my co-host, Craig Graves, and I are over on the East Coast, so 11 o'clock our time, 8 o'clock on the West Coast. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Agent Power Huddle is such a good way to get our day started. Um, let me introduce myself, Matthew Hanks. I'm a team leader and agent out in the Charlotte, North Carolina market, and my co-host, Craig Graves, also hey, an agent member of our team, Hanks Realty Group. So welcome to Craig. Um, welcome to everybody on the call around the country. So today's call, Craig and I have done a number of different series with Agent Power Huddle. Uh, Craig is a uh, not only a real estate agent, but he is an unbeatable mind certified coach and has done training, military style training. I have spent a number of years in the military myself. And so a lot of what we teach and we live by and these principles that we are going to highlight today come from some of that military training. So hope you all are able to set some of that and appreciate that. Craig, what should we add to that before we get on the call today? You know, I think you, I think you covered it, Matthew. I think we're ready to roll. So the last series, let's do a shout out for that because it's already up on YouTube. Remember the last one we did, Craig, where we walked through from uh, Commander Mark Divine, The Way of the Seal? So before we jump into extreme ownership, shout out to that series we did because it was so much great content there. That somewhat had a military background as well. We like talking about military because when you talk about preparing for defending our country going off to war, and then you compare it back to real estate, okay, it's it's not really apples to apples. There's no one that's being shot at in the real estate world, and it's not life and death situations that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. But when those guys prepare, some of these leadership principles that we're going to cover today can absolutely be applied to your life, your team, if you lead one, or you're on a team. Uh, most, all, most all of us are, even if you're an individual agent out there, you still have a team of people you work with every day to get the job done and can be applied to have success in your life and in your business. So today's topic, you may have seen already, today's topic is going to be a book that we covered in a mastermind group we are part of, Craig and I are, it's called Extreme Ownership. Hope you can see that. I'm holding it up in front of me here on the Zoom call. Extreme Ownership. This is a book written by two Navy SEALs, Jocko Willick and Leif Babin, two Navy SEAL officers, and they have led the most highly decorated special operations unit, and this was in the Iraqi War. And in this book, they demonstrate how to apply powerful leadership principles from the battlefield to business and life. Raise your hand if you feel like lessons learned on the battlefield and war might be applicable and we could lean on them to help us in life and in business. We think that's absolutely the case. So 
Craig, why don't we just jump right in? Do you want to maybe uh, highlight a photo there that you had of uh, these two men in their battle rattle? I think the photo you had, they were about to head out on one of the missions. And you can see these guys uh, who we're talking about that wrote this book, Extreme Ownership, that we're going to cover today. Yeah. There you see. Yeah, Jocko is on the left if you're looking at the screen, and, and Leif Babin is on the right. And um, yeah, these guys, Jocko is more popular in the interwebs than, than Leif. Jocko has a podcast. He's written seven or eight books, I think, now. And the, the, the one that started it out was Extreme Ownership that we're going to cover today. He and Leif co-authored that one together. And Matthew's talking about taking the lessons that are learned in, in these situations and apply them to the business world. Well, these guys have a company called Echelon Front, and that's exactly what they do is they go into big businesses and corporations and, and uh, other businesses, and they implement lessons learned, lessons they've written about in this book, into those organizations, and they have outstanding results. So 100% applicable to what we're talking about here today. The uh, extreme ownership is something that you can implement in your real estate business. If you have a team, uh, if you're a solo guy or a girl, then you can implement it there. And not only that, these lessons that we're going to talk about today can be implemented basically in your life, in your families and in your circles. And uh, I think that if you do that, which I've done as much as possible, then you're going to have outstanding results there too. Uh, I wanted to show a quick picture of Jocko. He's an intimidating looking dude. This is him. He was a uh, commander in the SEAL. Say a little bit, yeah. A little bit, a little bit intimidating. He's a commander in the SEAL teams, and uh, he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I think he's two thirty-five, a solid, a solid muscle. He, um, he's a pretty interesting guy. So if you're not familiar with Jocko, then check him out somewhere. So if you guys have seen, uh, if you've been on the Agent Power Huddle in the past, or maybe a consistent listener, so we do talk about real estate quite a bit. This book, however, is not it's not a specifically real estate book. You may have gotten that already. This book is about leadership. And so one uh, core premise of the book is that to be a good leader or a great leader and to accomplish great things, you must own everything in your world. There is no one else to blame. This is the essence of extreme leadership. So this book is targeted towards anyone who is aspiring to be a great leader, which hopefully is everybody, everybody on the call. In the book, Craig, the authors take us through 12 leadership principles, each chapter being devoted to each principle. And uh, every chapter kind of has a uh, cadence to it where we follow, where they, they tell a situation that they found themselves in when they were in Iraq, that first it leads with the the situation. Then it talks about what got complicated in that situation. So what happened that brought them to the point that it was a key decision-making time? What action did they take to overcome that challenge that they were faced with then? And then it follows up every single chapter with what can we learn from that action that was taken in that situation? And it just follows that cadence for 12 different lessons throughout, uh, divided up into uh, three different parts. But each chapter concludes with a learning. It's a brief description of the principle involved and then an example of how that ap how that lesson that was learned there is applicable in the business world. So that's somewhat of a framework. Craig, you want to take us into the uh, the principle number one, was which was extreme leadership. This was part of the first part there, building the right mindset. Started with yeah. building the right mindset. Yeah, yeah, Matthew, it's actually extreme ownership. And what that means is the leader is responsible for everything in their in their world. So I think, you know, when a lot of things when, when things go wrong, a lot of people, what do they do? They look for somebody to blame. 
But this 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 extreme ownership kind of flips that script, and you're the one as the leader who owns the issues if if they go wrong in your in your team or or, or wherever that wherever it applies. You know, Jocko has a TED talk where he talks about a friendly fire episode that they had in uh, in Ramadi, Iraq, and uh, apparently, friendly fire is the cardinal sin of combat. You know, somebody's going to lose their job over this. So when they get back to the command center and they're trying to evaluate what happened, Jocko's—he's the commander, so he's—he owns this—he own—he owns the whole thing, right? So he's—he's he's thinking about who's to blame for this incident, and he said it dawned on him as he was getting ready to walk into the room to do the debrief with his commanding officer. Somebody's getting fired, right? And so he walks into this room and he says, "You know, whose whose fault was this?" And a couple of the seals raise their hand and says, "Sir, it was my fault. I should have done this or that." Another guy raises his hand and says, "Sir, it was my fault." And Jocko's like, no, it's not your fault or your fault or your fault. It's my fault. I'm the commander. Everything comes back to me. And here are the solutions that we're going to implement so this thing doesn't happen again. So it's basically taking extreme ownership. If Matthew's, uh, he calls him a gopher. If Matthew's gopher doesn't put a sign in the yard, then that's then Matthew owns that issue. You know, if if uh, the listing agent doesn't do something on the contract, Matthew owns that it, that issue. And Matthew is going to come to the table with some kind of solution to ensure that that does not happen again. And if it continues to happen, there's some ramifications there. If the same person continues to to drop the ball, then perhaps they're not cut out for your team. But the bottom line is the the buck stops with the leader, the leader of the team. Matthew, how do you implement this concept in in your in your team? And, and by the way, Matthew's got a great team. He's got a great setup. And so, uh, you know, he's got a lot of a lot of good knowledge he can share with us. Well, some of this I'm starting to begin to implement, Craig, because we walk through the book as part of the mastermind. And the entire time I'm thinking, you know, we we lean on those excuses a lot of times. But if I'm truly going to take ownership and say, uh, well, I'll give you an example and we could go around the room, talk about what's the market doing in your market. So I'm imagining you know, some of when you put your name on the screen, you put what market you're in which I think is great because we can help each other with referrals and we know where we're all coming from. But in the Charlotte market, it's uh, l- let's say we're in a changing market. It's different from where we were the past couple of years. <clears throat> so if you have to make adjustments to that, the, it, it starts with the idea of I'm going to take ownership of this. I'm not going to uh, accept the excuse that things are different now than they were, or I'm going to be late to making an adjustment. I own this. I'm going to make a change. You're talking about the gopher, Craig. If there's something that's left off of uh, if they do something, um, I, I give you a, a simple example. Lockbox was put on the house, and it was one that we didn't have the code to, and they locked it. And so now that it's on the house and it's locked, we can't get in it. And so we had ch- challenge with the uh, with the client on that. And so when they call me as the as as the head of the team and say, "Hey, I got a problem," it's so easy. If a team member was involved, I'm just gonna we'll say pass the buck, Craig, and blame somebody else for that problem. But say, "No, I'm I'm gonna own that." Um, the the solution, the RSOP was not clear enough. We didn't have that in writing. There was training not involved. I didn't supply them with the right equipment, but I'm going to take ownership of it. And when I'm on the phone with the client, I'll say, hey, I, you hired me to get your home sold. Yes, it was another member of the team that may have dropped the ball or misunderstood or whatever went wrong. Uh, we were out the other night, Craig, my son and I, there were four properties. We've got somewhat bipolar weather here in North Carolina right now. It's been 13 degrees less than a week ago, and today we walked out and it's almost 70 degrees. But we had to winterize four different properties just to make sure that pipes weren't bursting. Uh, that I said something about it, but that memo was missed by our team. 
And so I'm like, okay, it's 8 o'clock at night. It's already below freezing. It's going to 13 degrees tonight. How do I take extreme ownership of this situation? I got in the car and we went and winterized those properties. Okay. That's, it's just a small example, Craig, but it's the one that comes to mind whenever you ask the question. Right, right. Okay, so principle number two, no bad teams, only bad leaders. A leader's success or failure depends on the success or failure of their team. It can't be disconnected from the team. The example they use in the book here is Leif was an instructor at BUDS, which is the SEAL training program. And they have these uh, small inflatable boats or fall, small inflatable, um, I forget what they call They're called IBSs. I can't remember what it stands for. But anywho, there's like eight men teams and they have races. So there's one team who consistently wins. I mean, they're winning every race and there's one team that loses every time. And so they just had an idea. They, sh- they, they switched the boat crew leaders. And so all of a sudden, the team that was in last starts competing for first every time. They don't win every time. But they're competing for first every time, and they're competing with the previous boat crew, although it's got the it had the poor leader. So there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. Um, and basically what had happened here, they they kind of pieced it together was the guys who were in the boat crew originally, number one, already had the extreme ownership mentality. They that leader had instilled in them some principles that allowed them to keep competing, although they had the bad leader. And now the new team, having the good leader, was learning and and they were competing for number one. So there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. Um, there's some actions we've kind of got an outline, and we didn't really cover the action steps in, in principle number one. But I would say here, uh, enforce standards would be an action item to take. Groom junior leaders to be ready to take the job uh, and responsibilities of their immediate bosses if the need arises. So junior team members should be trained to step in and lead if if necessary and continuously assess the team performance and strive for important improvements. Um, what, are you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that one, Hanks? Well, as part of the action items, uh, one of the things that was highlighted was that you can help the team face the facts through a brutal or realistic assessment. Now, a realistic assessment doesn't necessarily have to be brutal. Sometimes that's how we bring it up. But one of the important things for a leader is if times are tight or you're in a rough situation, uh, we had a conference call with one of our clients and we got off the phone and I just said, you know what, let me just level with you. I was talking to one of our team members, Craig, and I said, we're just in a bad spot right now. It's just a tough situation. It's not for you to blame the other agent to blame. We're just in a bad spot. We're going to make it through this. We're going to own this and, and, and it admit some of the areas we could have done better, but, uh, just a realistic assessment by the leader can be something that is uh, extremely beneficial to the team. Absolutely. Principle number three, belief in the mission. In order to convince and inspire others to follow and accomplish a mission, a leader must be a true believer in the mission. So, and that also, if you're a true believer in the mission, then obviously you're going to, you, then you're going to want to, uh, then you're going to buy into that. And you have to be able to communicate and instill that same belief into your into your teammates. Um, always tell them why. If somebody's asking questions about why you're doing something, you know, then then tell them the why. You know, and you can't just say because I said so. We had a conversation about this on our on our mastermind call yesterday, and this can flow into our families. the The question was about was about a child, but always tell somebody why. And then once they believe into the mission, once they believe the mission, then they buy in and. And the work gets done. The job gets done.
Any 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 uh any feedback on that one, Hanks? To me, it's kind of the magic behind the power of people coming together is that and the and the essence of a team. What's the difference of a team and a group? Both multiple people. One's referred to as a team, the other's a group. Well, the team all has a similar why. They're all pushing in the same direction. They compete together, they win together, and they may lose together, but it's the why behind it that pushes them forward. If it's if you don't have a similar why, that's the power behind it. You're really just a, a group of people engaged in a similar task. 100%. The story of, of one boat crew beating another boat crew, and then you swap the leaders, and one goes from worst to first. I don't know how you can illustrate it any better than that, Craig. Excellent example. Exactly right. Exactly right. Principle four, check your ego. Ego clouds our judgment and prevents us from seeing the world as it is. Now, if we're going to implement extremes, what do you think has to happen to the ego? It's got to go, right? I mean, you can't, and that, that, and that might sting your ego. I'm, I'm sure Jocko took a hit to his ego when he went into that brief room and took responsibility for that, for that incident we talked about. So when you make a mistake, be humble and admit it. I mean, how many times have you have you ever dealt with a situation and somebody just said, hey, you know, I messed it up. I, 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 it's my fault. That immediately de- de-escalates the situation. Right? If somebody admits that they, that they made a mistake. Um, when a team faces a challenge, step up and help them to develop a plan to overcome it rather than blaming them. Never let personal success become more important than the team's success. Never let, never get complacent with past successes. Tomorrow's a new day. What, you know, what do they say in the SEAL teams? The only easy day was yesterday. So never get complacent with successes. Always be um, ready to move forward. So in order for extreme ownership to work, you have to check your ego and then instill that kind of mentality into your teammates. What do you think about ego, Matthew? Well, yeah, so Craig, if I told everybody on the call that today we're talking about extreme ownership and I said the essence of this is you need to take ownership of your life and the results and all that. Okay, so why can't we just say that and not break you know, why are we going through all this about the book? Why is there an entire book written on it? If I said there was one hindrance to taking extreme ownership in your life, this might be the thing that I would point to Craig and say this is what holds people back from holding of having extreme ownership. Because if I have to step up and admit if I have to take ownership of it then if it doesn't work or if the problems with it I have to own it and I've got to admit that I was wrong or I was weak or I did something I shouldn't have done and that's going to hurt my ego it's been said that real estate agents are just egomaniacs with an identity conflict or identity complex so you know that's part of what draws us to the business at times is hey our name's up in lights and we get shiny glossy cards and you know we tend to have a lot big egos in this business so if there's anything that'll help you embrace the concept of extreme ownership, I would point to principle number four in this first part, Craig, just drop the ego. Yeah, you got to drop the ego. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I've heard people say that real estate is the only industry where people have their pictures on their business cards. <laughs> That's us. All right. The second part of the book is about building a high-performance team. And Jocko and Leif really title this one, The, the Laws of Combat. And there's four principles in the, in the Laws of Combat. They, they call it cover and move, but it's basically teamwork. And I might move a little bit faster, Matthew. We only got about 10 minutes to wrap, to wrap this up. So cover and move is about teamwork. The team has to be working together. Some of the examples they use in the book are organizations that are divided into divisions. And even those divisions have to know the mission and be on the same page 
and work together to accomplish what they've got to accomplish. Um, principle number two in the laws of combat is to keep things simple. I'm sure everybody's heard the the KISS, uh, what is it, an acronym? Keep it simple, Sally, keep it simple, stupid, whatever, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. But the idea is to keep things simple. So complex things just create chaos, right? Also, too, keeping it simple helps you communicate that. We talked about um, belief in the mission and communication earlier. Keeping it simple is going to help us to, to do that. Uh, principle number three in the laws of combat are prioritize and execute. And that's the ability to break things down into small chunks, figure out which one's the most important, and then get that one done first. Matthew, talked, Matthew and I have talked about the big four mental toughness several times on, this, on these calls. And that's kind of really like the, the, the fourth one of big four mental toughness, micro goals, taking a big thing, chunking it down into small chunks, and getting it done. And the fourth thing in the laws of combat is decentralized command. And that is empowering your junior leaders and people on the team to go out and make decisions on their own without you being a micromanager and, and, and being involved in every single decision that gets made. Um, Hanks, I kind of blew through those in, in the sake of time, but what, what are your thoughts on the laws of combat as it pertains to real estate? Well, this is the thing. You know, when we've talked before, Craig, one of the things that we talked about, the similarities of those who survive the SEAL training and those who survive in real estate, I know it's two separate things, uh, military and real estate. But one of the things is that in two years, 87% of those who attempted to make it in the real estate industry did not. And when we talk about, well, why is that? There's a number of reasons. But I go back here to the simple complex, uh, simple principle, because the business is a complex one and it's a lot to take in. We talked about the power of the iPhone is because they've taken something that's complicated like a desktop computer and they've made it simple and you can have a two-year-old pick it up and operate it or a three-year-old or a 90-year-old and it's because it's simple. What we've talked about, Craig, is that it is easy to make things complicated and it's difficult to make things simple. Every one of us on the call, everybody may be listening to the call in the future. When you do, there are areas of your life you need to find a way to just simplify things so that your mind can embrace it and adopt principle number two from this book, Extreme Ownership. Very good. The third part of the book, this book's really broken down into three sections, is sustaining a high-performance team. Um, the first thing there is planning. You know, when we think about planning, you know, we just think about creating a plan and then going out and, and telling everybody what the plan is going to be and, and then having them execute. But the guys take a different approach in, in extreme ownership. So in extreme ownership, you know, as, as the senior leader, it's my job to communicate the mission. So here's what we got to do. But what these guys are talking about here is bringing in junior leaders and people on the team. You know, you give them a high level uh, and then they go in and, and, and are involved in creating the plan and executing the plan, obviously. But, um, you know, it's, it's about delegating down the chain. So we're, it's kind of like the concept of decentralized command. We're giving these guys a voice in, in, what, in what we're doing. Uh, you know, we're going to encourage questions and discussion during the planning phase. So I'm going to give them the, the, the plan at a high level and then, and then answer any questions that they might have. You always got to consider the risks when doing this. And then um, allowing those junior leaders and people on the team to create the plan gives them buy-in. And so they're more likely to go out and execute and execute at a high level if they have ownership in, in the plan and a stake in the plan 
versus me just going out and saying, hey, here's what we're going to do. Anything before I move on to principle two? Matthew? No, I like where we are. And we got six minutes left on the call. So, you know, we've covered an awful lot of ground. Uh, this is, like we said, a high level uh, uh, outline of the book and the principles in the book. So I think, Craig, let's do it. And, and if we had a couple extra minutes, we've got some takeaways, some overall takeaways that we can cover. Great, great. So principle number two in sustaining a high-performance team is leading up and down the chain of command. So it's easy to lead down the chain, right? And we talked about that a minute ago with decentralized command. But they give examples here of leading up the chain. So what does that look like? You know, if, you, if you're a, a, a middle-level or a lower-level person in an organization and you see things that are coming down from the top and you, you may see how something could go better or, or, or why something's going wrong, so leading up the chain of command is going back to your senior leaders and providing solutions. Now, I think we as human beings, you know, we tend to say, well, golly, why are we doing that? And then we just sit on it and it festers and swells. But leading up the chain of command, you know, I might, I might come to Matthew and say, hey, Matthew, um, I've, I've noticed that we're doing this and I think this might be a better way to do it. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And that comes to Matthew with a solution to, to this problem that I'm seeing and that is a much better way to do it than just than just sitting back and getting up, upset about it and complaining and in that and that festering and that gives Matthew an idea to know first of all what's going on and then second of all to evaluate the solution that I've given him to see if we could actually run things better so leading up the chain of command and down the chain of command is the second principle in sustaining a high performance team you have situations like that in your business Matthew well, in or any organization, I mean, how many jobs have you had? And you're like, yeah, things kind of stink around here. And it's like, yeah, it's just the management, you know, or it's the owner. Or it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, you're part of the organization. You tell me you have no influence over yeah, uh, making things better. I mean, if it was a decision from management, okay, well, how can you interact with management? And can you package something in a way of, I've got solutions to these challenges we face. Or how do you you know, present a solution instead of just a problem, present a, uh, every problem, you've got a couple of solutions to it. And so you, you know, it's appreciated feedback from the leadership instead of something like, oh yeah, uh, we, we've already thought of that. So we, we all, I think it goes back to influence, Craig, because we have more influence than we think we do, or we can have more influence. And that's where that, that's what that concept of leading up and down the chain of command is about. Absolutely. Principle number three is divisiveness and un amid uncertainty. So we have to be able to make decisions. Uh, even if we don't have perfect information, our goal is to make the best decision possible based on the information available. So we have to be able to make decisions instead of sitting on things and letting, and letting things pass us by. The fourth principle there, and this is kind of Jocko's mantra, is discipline equals freedom. So you have to have the discipline to do these things. So motivation comes and goes, right? But discipline requires, uh, requires us to do things even when we don't want to. So to make all this work, there has to be a level of discipline uh, implemented into the thing. So what we're doing now, that's that's kind of the the end of the the the, the 12 principles. Matthew, any, any comments? Well, decisiveness and uncertainty. There are certain decisions in life, the, the huge ones, that unless you're clear about the answer that you have or the decision that you're going to make, unless you're ultra clear, you just pause. You know, Craig, you're talking about it. you're trying to make a decision and you felt like the Lord was telling you, like, the answer's coming, but for right now, we're just pausing, okay? 
And then there's others where it's it's not a life-changing type of decision. And the important factor there is that just that a decision is made. You're on the right track, but if you just sit there on the track, you're going to get run over. You got to make a decision. You got people behind you that are waiting and depending on you. <clears throat> and so um, that's the part of decisiveness. And the book talks about there's some decisions where it is important that you pause and wait to have the right decision. And sometimes a decision, it, it's on the leader. Just make the decision. You'll have, you'll be in a better spot to make better decisions in the future. But for today, make the decision and move on. Be decisive. That's right. That's right. So we're just about out of time. So this all sounds great, right? But there are some dichotomies here. There, there has to be a balance in a lot of these. I'm just going to read what it says here on this paper. It says, a good leader must be confident, but not cocky. Courageous, but not foolhardy. foolhardy. Uh, competitive, but a gracious loser. Attentive to details, but not obsessed by them. A leader and a follower. Humble, not passive. Aggressive, not overbearing. Quiet, not silent. Calm, but not robotic. Logical, but not devoid of emotion. And so what the guys did is they wrote a follow-up. And we're going through this now in our in our mastermind. It's called the dichotomy of leadership. And it covers some of those things that we just talked about and how to handle them. So the whole conversation basically has been about extreme ownership. But you can take too much ownership and become a micromanager, you know? Or you can give them too much leniency and then and then things don't get done because nobody's on the same page. So there's definitely some dichotomies that have to be, you have to be aware of if you're implementing extreme ownership. So maybe in a couple of couple of months or something, Matthew and I'll come back and talk about the dichotomies. But you have to be aware of those dichotomies and deal with those dichotomies for extreme ownership to work in your organization and in your and in your life. Does anybody have any questions or final thoughts? We're uh, we're at the bottom of the we're at the bottom of the hour. Craig, I'm going to cover seven takeaways because it's going to take me about 30 seconds to cover these seven takeaways. So all this that we've talked about, we've tried to highlight the book, the outline of the book. Seven takeaways. Ready, Craig? Yep. Seize accountability. Don't avoid it. We can apply each of these takeaways today in our business. Seize accountability. Don't avoid it. Number two, standards are what you tolerate. Those are your standards. If you tolerate it, then that's your standard. Don't talk about high standards if you're tolerating less than that. All team members must be brought into the mission. Remember, we talked about the difference between a team and a group. A true team, all team members are brought in on the mission. The plan must be simple, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. Just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Prioritize, then execute. Empower those around you. Just as Craig said, you got to empower those around you. And number seven, the mantra that Jocko teaches, discipline equals freedom. So maybe more applicable in this shifting market we're in now than ever, but those are the seven takeaways I wanted to highlight based on the principles of extreme ownership. Craig, thanks for being my co-host today, a co-host together. Uh, excellent information. This will be one we can go back and watch over and over because it's applicable, not just for today and this week and the market that we're in, but you could you could go back and review this over and over. So thank you all for taking the time to be on the call today. Go out and make it a fantastic week. 
If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our eXp organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about eXp or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.